Welcome to Season 2 of Sound Mind, a podcast about physician wellness and medical culture. I'm your host, Dr. Caroline Gérin-Lajoie. We've discussed on this podcast the tremendous impact COVID-19 has had on physician wellness. When the global pandemic was declared in March 2020, medical professionals went into hyperdrive to treat patients and keep themselves safe. For most physicians, this work was done inside a hospital and away from the scrutiny of the general public. But that is not the case for public health physicians. Their work has been center stage throughout the pandemic. And this means the human toll of their work has also been front and center. Early in the pandemic, BC's Dr. Bonnie Henry fought back tears as she described the impact of COVID-19. I think this is something that I'm very concerned about. I, I went through SARS. I've been through Ebola. I've been through the pandemic in 2009. And I just know how stressful it is for our healthcare system, for my colleagues, and for families that are dealing with this. And, and I'm probably a little tired myself, but what can I say? It's, it's a very difficult time, and I'm feeling for the families and the people that are dealing with this right now. And earlier this fall, Saskatchewan's Chief Medical Health Officer, Dr. Sakib Shahab, struggled with his emotions as the province was entering its fourth wave. It led one reporter to ask if Dr. Shahab was okay. This, this wasn't the, the question I was planning on asking, but Dr. Shahab, are you okay? I think I'll take a minute with please. So I just say that all the evidence is out there and it is very distressing to see unvaccinated young healthy people ending up in ICU and dying. And it, you know, I'm watching this from a distance, but the the pressure this puts we talked about burnout, you know, Derek talked about burnout on staff. You know, to see young lives lost through a vaccine preventable disease. How can we accept this in a, in, a, in, a, in a country where we've had vaccines available for everyone ever since July? Dr. Shahab spoke with us about what was going through his mind at that press conference. I think that was a sadness that at the end of the day, these are all people we knew. Everyone knew someone who knew someone who was ill with COVID or hospitalized or had passed away. And I think that was the sadness and the grief. And the fact that it came so late in the pandemic for us, it hit us hard. Obviously, I know many friends and relatives who were in the 80s, other parts of the world who have passed away. And many colleagues who developed COVID early on in parts of the world where there was not effective PPE available. And even in Saskatchewan, you know, it's a vast province with a small population. I, along with many of us, know personally people who became not working in healthcare but in the general community who became unwell with COVID, who became seriously ill or passed away. So everyone knows everyone. I think that has been very hard and it was hard throughout the pandemic, but at this later stage, it's even harder. Public health physicians also found themselves at the centre of the battle over vaccines. And this added further stress to their role as they tried to foster unity in the fight against the virus. 
you know, society was getting polarized. There were people who were vaccinated and then uh, blaming people who are unvaccinated for delaying their urgent care and people who are unvaccinated really saying, well, why should we get vaccinated? We don't know enough. And I, I think one has to really move forward from this polarization. I think it is very much driven by social media. And one has to move forward because it has torn families apart in some cases. And we have to heal and move forward as communities, in my view. Dr. Shahab says all of the stresses, combined with extremely long hours, began to impact the wellness of colleagues. Because it was very stressful for many team members. All of us responded differently. Some of us have uh, had great supports at home. I did, for example. But of course, many individuals, including colleagues and friends, uh, had a tremendous sense of social isolation. So providing that bridge, not just as a colleague, but as a friend, as as an acquaintance was critical. And there's formal structures for that through mental health outreach services. But I think at a personal level, staying physically distant but socially connected was not just a slogan. It was something that... I certainly took to heart and made sure that I remained connected with people who I knew and, and made, sure, made sure to check in on, on people. And, and I think that is, so that self-awareness, I think, was critical. Dr. Saqib Shahab is Saskatchewan's Chief Medical Health Officer. The organization that represents public health physicians in Canada has grown increasingly concerned about burnout amongst its members. It recently conducted a survey that found that nearly all participants said they were feeling burnt out. Dr. Catherine Elliott is a member of the group's council, and she is also the acting chief medical health officer for the Yukon. Dr. Elliott, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Caroline. Is it okay if I call you Catherine? Yes, of course. What was your reaction when you saw or heard your colleagues, Dr. Shahab and Dr. Henry, struggle to contain their emotions at various points during the pandemic? Well, let's start with Dr. Henry. I've known Dr. Henry for a long time. She was on the council of my residency and and one of uh, the mentors and and people who examined us during residency. And, And I know how strong and capable she is. And so to see her show her emotions in a, in a conference, a news conference, it it really was a powerful moment for me and and it just to me it it showed two things one was that the power of sharing one's emotions you know publicly and and that there's a place for that and and how important that can be it also showed me how to see someone who's been through so much so many situations infectious disease situations and other challenges professional challenges just to have that moment really gave me a sense of what could be coming and 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 how how serious and impactful the the pandemic could be that was very early on in the pandemic i i i saw her conference where she cried when the first long term care patient in in bc died so that was a pretty profound moment i would say for me in terms of what could be coming Dr. Shahab is somebody who I've gotten to know through through meetings uh, over the course of the pandemic. Again, a very intelligent, capable uh, person. And, and it, you know, when I heard him on the, the radio not that long ago, maybe a month or two, breaking up, I, I, really, I, I really almost felt a sense of relief because I think many of the leaders in public health at this time have seen and, and witnessed so many challenges uh, with, you know, among colleagues or themselves or 
seeing the toll that the pandemic has taken, that it was almost a relief to have that be more public in a way. And I thought what he said about, you know, the evidence is here and to see young, healthy adults die of a of a vaccine preventable disease. For me, that just, it just triggered so much because, you know, in my training, people died of vaccine preventable disease, mainly in places where they couldn't get vaccines. And so to know that's happening here in our own country was, was really, it really struck a chord with me. And, and again, just brought back how, how profoundly impactful this pandemic has been among the population and also for our, for the leaders in public health. How difficult has it been for medical officers of health to keep the stress of their work hidden from the public when their job requires them to be the public faces of pandemic public health guidelines? I don't think it's been, I I wouldn't say that I have noticed it's been challenging for people (laughs) to do that. I think it's part of our training almost and, and it becomes inherent. I think what's hard is when everyone goes away and the camera's away and you know, you have that reflective time and it comes, can come back for a lot of people just as a, as a, as a sense of knowing what, uh, what, what is happening, just the extremity of the measures that we've had to put into place and some of the, some of the potential harms of those measures. And also the, just the relentless pace of the pandemic for such a long time. You know, I think in my training, the longest outbreaks or situations that we dealt with at this kind of intensity would be maybe three months. And I think that's the pace we started to keep from the beginning. And and there may have been some lulls at various times for, for people, but really it feels like catch up in those lulls. So I think the the relentless pace and and then the pressures of being a public figure can definitely take their toll. So going back to instances where a public health official may become emotional while on TV or during an interview, is that what it takes for the public to start wondering or asking if that healthcare professional is okay? You know, I sometimes wonder what the public thinks when some when a, an official becomes emotional because I don't really see those officials in the same way as the average person might in the public. I would imagine that some people appreciate their compassion and and truly sympathy with with what what they've been through through. I would also think that some people might think that their capacity the the official's capacity or ability or judgment might be might be somehow altered because they're fatigued or or emotional but I I think we're all human and I I think in both the instances the public instances that we've talked about um you can see how how well Dr. Henry and, and Dr. Shahab pull themselves together and get right back on point and sort of put their own feelings away and, and get right back to the business of doing the job that needs to get done. So I'm not sure that, that there's been a loss of, of trust because of that. In fact, I, I think it it almost breeds more trust because people can appreciate that the recognition of the gravity of the situation and the loss that's happened is really there. And it, and it, it is a part of the, the picture. So Catherine, when did you first start being worried about burnout amongst your colleagues? I think I was been very impressed with how hardworking, dedicated and, 
and steady my colleagues have been. And nonetheless, you know, it was only a few months in where I thought no human can really keep this pace. I mean, the pace of the new evidence coming in every day and, and all of us trying to stay on top of it and, and give the best advice and the, the, the pace of meetings and press conferences and evidence-based decisions and the weight of the types of decisions, the types of societal changes that we were imposing in order to, to save lives and keep the burden off the, the, the healthcare system was substantial. And I think I, I became worried or concerned that if we kept on that track, uh, people would burn out. And that was probably early, you know, about three months in or four months into the pandemic. And uh, and then it was only later that I, I learned that many of the medical health officers across the country had experienced burnout and, and some had rotated on and off their their work or take, taken leave. Others had health authorities had brought in or, or health units had or government have brought in extra staff in order to to staff all of the positions that needed to be staffed. I just it's just a it's an unbelievable cognitive and physical challenge to be working like that and and the the I mean we we've all we've all done it, you know, <laughs> residency and you know we we do call and we have, you know, intense periods in in our work in producing, you know, guidance or deadlines or meetings that come up, but to do it in this relentless pace without an end in sight is is been is something that would would drive anybody to burnout. And what were some of the first signs of burnout that you saw or that you you heard of in those first few months? You know, in the first few months, I honestly don't think I saw a lot outside of my closest closest colleagues, people who I know personally or within my own uh, work environment. And I think it's because we, you know, we work as professionals often and on Zoom, our meetings are distant to the time, the hallway corridor chats and, and that were not happening as much. So... I, I really started to see it, you know, within a few months, you know, being concerned about people working in amongst with my colleagues with no weekends or not taking any time off. I was concerned about the, the first things you get concerned about, which are things like car accidents or, you know, painful things occurring in interpersonal relationships, that type of thing. And, and then also concerned about the long lasting impacts if, if we continued at that pace was only um, maybe six or 12 months in that I started to see, you know, people really uh, coming to tears over over things from time to time in meetings or or in, in closer conversations. We actually started to have hallway conversations, you know, to phone each other after a meeting or text, which was really one of the one of the great things about this time has been is those colleagues that you you've met only over Zoom. But but that is really when I, I started to see the 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 effects of burnout amongst colleagues. I also noticed, you know, jobs becoming vacant and people moving around, which is another sign of sort of a restlessness within the within the profession. Do you have any thoughts as to why it's been difficult for your colleagues to talk about burnout? You know, I think one of the things as as caregivers and in our profession is that we like to take care of each other as well. So we wouldn't want to burden a colleague with with the challenges that we're having. So I think that that made it hard. It also there wasn't a space for it in our 
professional environments or meetings, even as, you know, preserving in in the along the lines of preserving the medical health officer or, or public health physician workforce. Uh, I, I didn't hear a space for it at the national table where where I'm really a part of that. So the focus is was really and, and importantly on responding. So I didn't I, I think that also at times made it challenging to share those those pieces. We're we're very small specialties, so we know each other across the country, and uh, I also think sometimes it makes people a little bit a little reticent to share anything that's personal or showing weakness because because we're a really small group. The reality is we take care of each other, but I think you know physicians often uh, often put the put the strongest foot forward in your survey. Your members expressed that one of their primary stresses was the gap in understanding between them and other physicians. Can you explain a little bit about what that gap is? When you look at public health and preventive medicine as a specialty, it's it's quite it's practiced in quite a different way from much of of medicine that is clinical and practiced in uh, in research and other ways, but mainly in patient patient physician encounters. Our, our practice, our patient is the population and our encounters are, are different and our, our methods are different. And I think one of the things that was the most challenging was knowing for, for what I've heard from my colleagues is around knowing that we have an area of expertise that is about, uh, cha- you know, influencing uh, government policy, making evidence-based decisions for the the measures that we the the whether it's public health measures or communicable disease control the measures that we we recommend and also being a public face and and that public communication piece these are all our areas of 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 specialty and one of the one of the important gaps that that many people felt many public health physicians felt was that other physicians were putting themselves forward as experts in public health and preventive medicine and uh, and either openly criticizing the local or national experts or putting themselves forward as having an opinion that was equally as informed or practiced as uh, as the opinion of those experts and and that could be at times quite challenging for people to um to hear and listen to and to experience and another source of intense stress from that survey was around moral distress. Can you tell us a little bit about what your colleagues were experiencing in terms of moral distress? What I've seen in terms of moral distress amongst my colleagues is that the recognition that we make decisions, uh, public health physicians need to make decisions for the greater good, but they may not be the best decision for every individual in the population. And, you know, a good example of that is if you close a school or a workplace because of transmission, you're sending people to spend home to spend more time at home. So for many people, that's healthy or good enough. But for some children, you're sending them home to domestic violence or to home situations where they're neglected, where school is their safe place or people, you know, in the workplace back to situations where they can't sneak out and see their physician in the middle of the day because they have they're in a situation of violence at home. And and the recognition that 
some of these impacts of of the measures are 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 part of the picture when you make a decision that's for the greater greater good of the population and many of my colleagues experienced moral distress because of of these things when you know very much we recognize that the impacts of of many of the measures both in covid but but other things as well have the greatest impact on those who are already so impacted and vulnerable to to the to to really severe life challenges and that when you see that that impact it's 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 been something that has been broadly discussed and and also i think in some private moments with colleagues has been brought forward in terms of just knowing what what the impacts might be I think another area of of distress or moral injury has been situations where uh, colleagues are in a position to make recommendations to to government around what would be most effective to control COVID-19 and also to reduce the harms or the impacts of of measures and and those those recommendations are rejected and uh, and so the path forward that the government has chosen with when the government you know does see governments see the social and economic and other impacts as well and there's an important role for that and yet for some colleagues have expressed a feeling of helplessness at watching something unroll that that they they did not have the power to to prevent and and they may have predicted could be coming so and the reverse is true too you know um not doing something because it's the best piece that the best evidence based and 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 clinical decision at the time to not take a measure or a step or or do something uh to protect the population because the harms are greater than the risk and then and then things not turning out how how it was predicted all all of these are are pieces in the in the that have contributed to moral distress and 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 people really taking that responsibility to heart and 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 suffering because of of the the their role in the pandemic response. So Catherine, you shared earlier that you were worried about burnout in your colleagues in the first few months of the pandemic and here we are almost 2 years in. How concerned are you now? People are really tired. Physicians are tired. Leadership is tired. The the colleagues we work with, you know, we, we the nursing staff, environmental health officers, administrators, IT, media, people are very tired. And that is actually now something that we raise at tables when we when we make decisions about the wisdom of X, Y, or Z decision with a tired workforce. Because because that is a real component of, of what we're currently experiencing. I also think during the pandemic, the, the recognition of the, the, the different contributors to burnout became more evident. So contributors such as limited resources that in, in public health and preventive medicine, you, we are often working with limited limited resources the long hours not compensated and not also relieved by by time off has has been been something that many people have been challenged by and and there have been some solutions along the way to that as well and then just overall the workload and the the well-being uh, of our 
of our, of our of our profession will take some time in order to recover from that. I'm pleased to hear that talking about workforce health is now part of your conversations, and maybe that's a sign of a shifting medical culture towards promoting health and wellness. Catherine, I'm curious if you feel that the work of public health officials has been properly understood or acknowledged, and how can we show gratitude to you and your colleagues? I feel that there are pieces of the profession that are understood, and there are other pieces that are not understood, and that's okay. I don't understand everything about cardiac surgery or you know, gynecology or geriatrics or palliative care. And, and that's, that's okay. I, I would hope that there's some humility among physicians about what could occur that they're not aware of or the pieces of our role that are more behind the scenes. So I think, I think one of the ways that we could, people could express gratitude is, is, of course, you know, simple thank you is lovely, but it's also just having that humility and and recognizing in in subtle ways that there this is a field with its own expertise. It's it's uh, it's a rigorous five year training program, and and it it although the expertise is 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 not always evident, and the decisions that are made are. The science, the epidemiology, the the communicable disease side is not always well understood how how in our profession we knit that together into a, a clinical opinion. I think recognition that it is a, an area of expertise and and having some degree of humility in that area would be would go a long way for for as gratitude. Dr. Catherine Elliott, thank you for taking the time to speak with us and. Also, thank you for all the work that you do in public health. Thank you, Caroline. I appreciate the chance to talk about this. Dr. Catherine Elliott is a council member of the Public Health Physicians of Canada, and she is also the acting chief medical health officer for the Yukon. You've been listening to SoundMind, a podcast about physician wellness and medical culture. If you're looking for resources, tools, and research on the topics covered today, please visit the CMA Physician Wellness Hub at cma.ca. I'm Dr. Caroline Gérin-Lajoie. See you next time.